My message to the Washington fan base is thank you. You guys showed up in droves. You believed in us. We sold out every game, even with a four-win season. Now, granted, there are a few visiting fans there, but that's on us. Uh, we're not in the playoffs, and so thank you for showing up, and the future is bright. We have a lot of cap space. We have uh, a great ownership group. We're very committed to winning for this city. Well, it is Josh Harris's team now. You heard him leading in the first DC Sports Huddle of the new year. Happy New Year to those of you listening and to each of us. I think this is the last place we can say that. I'm Rob Woodfork, the president of Podcast Operations, alongside Coach of the Year, George Wallace, and the writer of Fight Songs. No one asked for Dave Preston. That's just going to happen. Then you mean happy Thanksgiving? Yeah, really. Exactly. Uh, And parenthetically, like, this is, uh, we're filming, we're recording this on the 9th of January. Sure. And this is by far the latest you should ever say Happy New Year. It's a Larry David thing. Yeah. I'm fine with single digits. I'm fine with the first, like, you could say Happy New Year this past weekend. Yes. Because it's the first weekend after the New Year. I'm fine with that, too. And- I think the absolute latest is before the 10th. You were right on that. Yes. But what if you don't see, yeah, I don't know. If you see somebody next weekend, you anymore. can't do it. Yeah. You just don't regularly see this person. Yeah, they're just not a thing, right? Yeah, right. they're not popular. Uh, Ron Rivera, not popular in Washington. Uh, he is out as the head coach, as we've been talking about basically for the last eight weeks. And so before we start on the hope for the future, of what the commanders will do. We just want to, you know, put a bow on what was the four-year Rivera era, 26-40-1 the record. Um, It was a really bad – no, it's not Mm. good. And uh, this season was objectively, I would say, and I said this in in my column on WTOP.com, this was objectively the worst season that they have had in the Super Bowl era because they may have had a worse record. But their point differential was minus 189. They not only lost a bunch of games, they were not competitive in games. And then you take into account the quality of opponent that was blowing them out. The Chicago Bears came into their house on a short week and just stomped them. The Giants beat them twice. The Cowboys. I, I mean, think if this was any other year, I, I think if this was any other year than uh, Josh Harris's first year as the owner, uh, if he had been the guy who had hired Rivera, and this was the fourth year in that situation, I think Rivera would have been gone perhaps as early as that. Uh, at, if not after that Bears game, after the Thanksgiving loss to Dallas, they would have flushed everybody out. Yeah. Josh Harris did make the promise to the staff that you know what we're we're going to keep things you know here for one year and. Even though it was a tough pill to swallow for he and the entire fan base, he said, "You know what? We are stuck with this unit for the most part for the whole year. Uh, in order to, in theory, build goodwill to the fan base, build goodwill towards potential candidates, yep. he had to be a guy of his word, and it, it was the tough thing to do. But I think a lot of us checked out on this regime." If, if we were still on board as the year was underway, because <laughs> I, I think you could have bailed on this team last year after being seven and five in the mix. And then all of a sudden losing to the Giants, tying the Giants, the loss to Cleveland, the loss to San Francisco, just the bad play down the stretch. You could have 
bailed on the Rivera regime at that point. If you were still there, I think you could have. I, I think a lot of people, myself included, after the Bears game, it's like, okay, it's just mm-hmm. a matter of time. Yeah. They, if Snyder were still owning the team and things were normal, he would have been fired after last year. Yeah. Agreed. I really think that was the case. And I have zero problem with what Harris said as far as giving him the year. Uh, we kind of figured that was going to happen. And he wanted to see how Ron handled things, how he went about his business, how the assistant coaches. And I like what he said yesterday. Usually, midseason coaching changes aren't productive. Did yeah, you see the cut that I labeled, by the way? That was for you. Oh, I, yeah, I'll i have to check it out. No, Are you I a mean, midseason coaching change kind of guy? Oh, that yes, was I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was one no, but I mean, cut Antonio that included Pierce, your question. Antonio Pierce okay. is an example of a guy who worked. But, I mean, for every one of him yeah. or yeah. Mike Singletary with the 49ers once upon a time, for every one of those guys, there's like four examples where – the ship was already sinking. It's already done. Like yeah. Bill Callahan here. Okay. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the in the Jay Gruden situation. Right. Um, you know, but this, look, they lost eight straight. They didn't win since he took over defensive play calling. It was just bad. It was unfortunate because the locker room does have good guys in it. You know, it's unfortunate. Some good yeah. veterans and everything. But I'll tell you this, though. Hearing some of the players, and they were talking about EB and, and the coaching, and it was too hard, and culture – that's to me, that's loser talk. Like yeah. your veterans, he's oh, it starts at the top. Well, why don't you take some accountability sometime? Right. Right. I, and, I can't stand that. And that's something that, you know, of course, the next coach and the next general manager are going to have to sort out. How many of these players are good championship caliber players that were just caught up in what was a bad team versus guys who have a loser mentality and I need you off my roster so I can make room for a guy who's maybe less talented right. but has what it takes for you to win a championship. They're going to be looking at a lot of tape. We're <laughs> looking at a lot of who's checked out, who's got good body language, bad yeah, body language. Absolutely. You looked at the, the roster that Ron had put together as de facto you know, yeah. general manager – uh, was always felt like it was less than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. And defensively, I think, you know, just the the amount of money and the amount of picks that they spent on defense, so little bang for the buck, especially this year, when I think you know, even before they made the trades of Chase Young and Montez Sweat, they still allowed 30 or more points in five of eight games. Yeah. So it wasn't yeah. as though, oh, gosh, the defense was really good, and then we got rid of these guys. The pass rush may have disappeared, but there were still issues haunting this team uh, defensively. And when you give up 40 to the uh, gosh to the Bears, yeah. 31 to Tommy DeVito, who doesn't even make his own bed, it's <laughs> you've, you've, you've got some problems. <laughs> yeah, and on top of that, look, the, it's one thing to lose eight games in a row. There's always a team that does right. that in the NFL, but – they weren't competitive in any of them. No. And and the ones that, you know, they kind of fooled you into thinking that they were competitive was when they put Jacoby Brissett in at the end of the game and he just kind of, you know, made it uh, window dressing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think we all agree that, you know, Rivera, good man. You heard some of the players um, talking about what he meant to them. Uh, Tressway getting emotional. <laughs> We're in the middle of a, a playoff push uh, towards the end of the year, and my, my dad got really sick with COVID and ultimately was in the hospital, and we ended up losing dad just before the Philly game. And for two weeks, coach coaches called every night, just, hey, any update? And 
that's just just who he is. Is just just a, a great story I'll always remember. There's a lot of stories like that with Ron Rivera. So we don't celebrate Ron Rivera, the man losing his job, but no. from a football standpoint, like just the and we're we're gonna do this exercise because there were some good moments. Why are you in tell me we got an exercise coming here? Moments. What there are we some got? Good moments. Break a sweat exercise? No, 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 oh. no not that exercise. My first good moment, if yeah. I could, if I yeah, could lead off, lead it off. The fact that for years it always felt like this team was sleepwalking in September under Jay Gruden, Camp yes. J or Camp whatever Club, Club J, Club J, Club J. Sorry, <laughs> it always felt like. They that first half of that first game, even if they wound up, you know, playing well at the end, it just it took them a while to get going, and it just felt like there was a certain lack of uh, accountability and effort to be on point. There was no question opening day in 2020 that these guys were playing for Ron, and Ron had them playing. Were they playing smart? Maybe not all the time. <laughs> were they playing effectively? Maybe not all the time. But you can't deny the fact that even during this eight-game losing streak to end this season, the guys were still playing hard. They, were, they, they, they weren't executing, but there was effort there. And I think that was one thing that was sorely lacking during the Jay Gruden era, even though there were a lot of things in the Jay Gruden era that may have been lacking during the Ron Rivera era. <laughs> right. I think the, the quote, last week about managing for three and a half years. Yeah. I think that got a lot of people, and I think that is... He wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong, and and, and you you have to think and maybe wonder that if, like, straight, right from the beginning, and you know what? We said this a couple of times when he was dealing with everything that happened to be off the field. He had to be the spokesperson for it because nobody else was. Mm-hmm. He was the He was answering questions for Dan yep. and for everybody. And then, you know, then he gets sick and then he's going on, you know, Good Morning America and doing all this other stuff. And you just wonder what if he were actually able to just coach yeah, right. when he got here instead of the Bill Parcells picking the groceries yeah. quote, you know, right. instead of having all of that control and having to deal with anything. You know, you know you, it's a big what if, yes. But then you think, okay, well, in that situation, Ron was, I think, the – person to handle it i don't know yeah. how many people could have could you have seen jay gruden going through a name change and the harassment not. and the covid he would have said something stupid at least twice yeah right oh but then <laughs> 2.5 you know, is but the then, biggest yeah, <laughs> but then you you look at it all and then you say well he did a lot of it to himself he hired this he had brought in his carolina crew right he brought in jack del rio he had the dust up comment you know right. all stuff like right. that is under ron's watch but that had nothing to do with the football part of it you could make the case that when ron took this job in 2020 it was the worst job in the nfl with the exception of maybe the carolina panthers job do the owner there which he couldn't go he couldn't go back to that one mess too and not only (laughs) was asked to leave so not only in effect did he have probably the worst job in the nfl he had the two worst jobs in the NFL because yeah. he was the de facto GM and the head coach. He was yeah. also the face of the franchise. So make that he had the three worst jobs in mm-hmm. the league at the same time. And the fact that he limited the embarrassment and damage uh, to the commanders, football team, burgundy and gold, whatever you want to call them. He had no control over Major Tutty. I, I'm, I'm sure he pretty much, you know, he didn't, you know, sign off on that. I hope he didn't sign off on that one. But oh boy. Th- things could have been much worse with 
someone with less gravitas yeah. and dignity than, yeah. than Ron. And for from that standpoint, that that is a good thing. Uh, he was the perfect yes. ambassador for the team yeah. at a time where they needed an ambassador. Correct. But unfortunately, the coaching aspect of it was lost. Was lost. Yeah. Now, what would another of coach have named the team since Ron did commanders? What, well, who knows what we would have gotten? Team. Oh, he was a big part of it. I mean, he might have been a part of the process. He he tried to sell it, but that's Jason Wright's baby, right? Uh, I don't knows? know. I, I don't want to know who was in charge. <laughs> yeah, right. Of right, right, right. Nobody's right. taking credit for that. No, uh, Jason Wright knows. He he knows that. It, yeah. He, he Although was a big wasn't it when they're like, oh yeah, hey, we got the team name, and it's like, oh, it's a leak, and people all of a sudden, no, that was kind of oh, and they blurred the helmet yeah. when you took it out of the box. Yeah. Oh gosh, God. Yeah. That was not the best moment under Ron Rivera. The best moment was when they won in Dallas Thanksgiving 2020. I mean, it was a blowout. With what, what was it, 41-17 or something, mm, like something like that? like that. And, I mean, just absolutely decimated them at a time where you didn't see that coming. And uh, and it was a key win in them winning the division yeah. that year. And, Even with and, the- and I think that the damning thing is I have to go all the way back to his first year to have the best moment of the Ron Rivera. They Even, won in Pittsburgh when they were undefeated on that Tuesday that was, night, Wednesday yeah, night, whatever yeah. night it was. Right, yeah. Even though they finished with a losing record that year, and people will say, okay, he's the only guy to win multiple division titles you know, with losing records, for them to be able to win those games down the stretch, to rally that first year with all the clouds surrounding the organization was pretty awesome. And I think a lot of us thought that, all right, this is what he's done in year one. I don't think anybody thought, okay, now they're going to win, you know, 12, 13 games a year. But I think a lot of people thought that that would have been, you know, a, a good starting off point. Yes. And with the exception of uh, 2022, when they started seven and five and faded at the end, they never got to that point where even, even in 2022, when they were seven and five, they would have been the third wild card. Yeah. And they were in last place of the division. Uh, because everyone else had, you know, right. had a winning record, so I, I, it's a shame that they never got back to those heights, yeah. and that that was the peak right there. Because I think, and we've seen it with other coaches. We thought that Jay Gruden's playoff year was going to be the springboard to something with Kirk Cousins. We thought that RG three was, oh, hey, this is going to be it's a new era, and now the team, now this is not fool's gold. This team is here to stay. Or the Gibbs, hey, the glory era is back, and it's amazing how. Each of these playoff berths, and I include 05 and 07 is different, even though it's both under Gibbs and a lot of the same players, Both uh, two different quarterbacks running the show, right. isolated incidents kind of, that instead of a sustained period of growth and success, we're getting little, hey, boom, you know, isolated incident and, and the ceiling for this organization due to everything that is going on and stuff from the top and what have you has limited them to occasional sparks here and there as opposed to continued fire. Right. And uh, there's a lot of bad losses to pull from here, but I think the worst loss that Washington had under Rivera was the Chicago game. Thursday night, short week, Mm. in your own building, and I think you could make the case that it set the tone for what was a lost season. I think what was bad about it was that after four weeks – they had beaten Arizona. They had beaten Denver in two close games that they could have easily lost. They lost a tough game, you know, to Philly, a game that they could have won. And, you know, you know, if, if things had gone differently, they got blown out by Buffalo. At the time, you could make the case that just, you know, okay, they're not as good as Philly 
and Buffalo. They're better than Denver and Arizona. You can make the case for 20, 25 other teams in the league. <laughs> right. And so we didn't re- – I think the, the Bears game is when we actually knew how bad this team could be and how bad this team was. And that was a tough one. And then the fact that they lost a couple weeks later to the Giants and then lost a few weeks later to the Giants because they should have – it went from they should have learned their lesson playing a weaker team to oh my goodness no they are the weaker team yeah and that uh, and the last month was it was it was it was a tough one to tough one to stomach because I think we all knew by Thanksgiving that this was going to be the end yes and I think the, I mean to your point about the Giants I mean Brian Dable. I think the only reason he's not fired on Black Monday is because <laughs> yeah. he gets to play the Washington Commanders twice a year. I think he's uh I think his record against the rest of the league is uh somewhere south of like 30%. All right, let's get positive here. What what was you know, every move that Ron Rivera made was not a bad one. So I think the best thing and one of these is outside of his control, so I don't even know that I can give him credit for this, but I think the best move he made was making sure Terry McLaurin was uh, kept under contract and also not getting Russell Wilson because if you would have sent what was uh, rumored to be like the offer, he was willing to send three ones to Seattle to get Russell Wilson. That would have been catastrophic, especially since this year they're playing with the second overall pick. So that bullet was dodged, but – Probably keeping uh, the cornerstone players, uh, Terry McLaurin, Jonathan Allen. I'm still on the fence about Deron Payne because I felt like when you paid both tackles, you basically ruled out your edge rushers. Right. And everybody knows like team building 101 is edge rushers probably the second or third most important position on a team. And I think that's the problem. We've been we've mentioned it the last couple of years that uh, Ron the GM failed Ron the head coach and maybe Ron the head coach has failed Ron the GM. Yeah. You know, in uh, in some way shape and or form. And by the way, what I said is not the worst move that he made, but I'll circle no, back to that. But, but <laughs> I I I think the roster building was not ideal, but I think the team building was, meaning that these guys were all in and they were all in playing for Ron. And mm-hmm. there was definitely a sense of community. And you hate the fact that they didn't execute their way to a point where Ron's job could have been safe. Because, you know, even though you know, the guys will say, oh, the problem's from the top and it comes down, there are dudes in the middle who could have stepped up, <laughs> who could have been who could have provided better leadership to the new guys. And there yeah. there are play there were there are playmakers on this team. And there are coordinators who can put the guys in the right situations. And for some reason, there was a disconnect. But you can't deny the fact that the locker room was really behind Ron, even Mm -hmm. though uh, things did not end well for him. Right. And when you see what happened in Las Vegas, for example, like that's not to be undersold. I mean, a coach that can command a room and can get men to play together. You know, that is a uh, that it's a valuable skill. I mean, again, I, I know that they didn't play particularly well this season, but um, I would say his worst move was all things quarterback because yeah. there was a lot of swings and awful misses. And George is going to laugh at me, but I don't want to hear it. Cam Newton, baby. Oh, Cam could have been the guy. Could have been the guy. Cam Newton. I think he would have been getting, getting ready for a playoff game right been, now. Listen, yeah, they probably would. And this is what I'm saying. I think he could have been like when Geno Smith was in Seattle. When Geno Smith, like when 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 they traded away Russell Wilson, they were like, "Oh, we're starting Geno Smith." Everybody laughed at Seattle. 
Everybody said that's unconscionable. The guy's a scrub. He's, you know, washed what, up. 18 and 16 over the last two years? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. 18 and in Washington, we would take 18 and 16. We'd hang a banner. Oh, my God. They'd sell T-shirts for it. Yeah. I'm choking I mean, George choking over here. Like the, that's so, like the Wizards' yeah. big three. Oh, my God. But, yes, I think he could have been a reclamation tale, and we'll never know. But I think Cam Newton could have solidified that spot for them. And quite frankly, he's better than anybody else. They play. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, really? We I think thought he, that was the answer. I think he would have Kyle been. Kyle Allen, good. Carson Wentz. Yes. Yeah. And I, he actually sent a fifth round pick to Carolina to get Kyle Allen. Allen. Yeah. You could have had the MVP guy for free. I'm not saying that Cam Newton would have been awesome, but he would have been a serviceable band he would have been a serviceable band-aid. And if he hadn't worked out, he could easily be ripped off. And that's right the thing. Off. And that's right the thing. Off. Even if he did stink, if everybody's right and I'm wrong, he's gone. If then, yeah. all you spent was the veterans minimum. Yeah, that's all you spent. You didn't send th- a pair of third round picks to Indianapolis for Carson Wentz. I'm the guy that watched the tape. Yeah, I'm the guy. Yeah, I'm not gonna. You've taken the quarterback carousel, and that was and how that was mishandled. Uh, my, uh, I think his biggest. I think Ron Rivera's biggest failing here was not putting together an offensive line and letting. Yeah. You know, even Trent Williams was not going to stay due to stuff with the organization and 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 what have you. But there were enough other guys. Been fixed. There were enough other guys who they could have branded sheriff who they could have taken care of and used as building blocks around an offensive line. This past year, multiple guys went in the top 50 picks mm-hmm. that could have been taken in the first or second round by Washington. Uh, enough guys in the top 70 picks where Washington had selections that instead you drafted two defensive backs who couldn't crack your lineup. Yeah. And you can't tell – I mean, even though – you don't know how things turn out. Maybe a guy gets hurt, maybe something along. But for the most part, a rookie offensive lineman can play his way into a starting five and at least get, get consistent snaps per game. Yeah, Stromberg could have been good. Yes. Yeah. The fact that they did not do so undermined every other personnel move, whether it was keep, you know the, uh, the, the running back rotation or whoever was playing quarterback – um, you you look at the sacks, and even though a lot of it was Sam's responsibility, the, the the fact that he was just getting run those first four or five games was just ridiculous. Yeah, it was, and I think the roster construction, draft picks, that's that was that was huge. Also, don't I mean you know he's also the guy that brought his head trainer in here that was yeah. investigated by the FBI. DEA raid. Yeah, not good. So, you know, there were some missteps along the way, no doubt about it. You know, even little things like Nick Sunberg, you let you let the long snapper go for absolutely yeah. no reason. You trade up you and you trade up to get Cam Cheeseman. That didn't work out. You you what, what was his best draft pick? Sam Cosme? Brian Robinson? Robinson? Um probably Cam Curl. Curl? Yeah. Yeah. But right. yeah. not many. I mean, no. but but I mean for the value. He was a 7th right. yeah. round pick. He's not an impact player. Right. But, I mean, for what he you're asking starts. him he to do. He made starts. You know, usually More than seventh that. rounder, those are yeah. practice squads, yeah. special teamers. Here was a guy who made your two deep. The problem, you know, the, the problem is, you know, Emmanuel Forbes. They went all in on a Forbes. You see him in the video in the, <laughs> the car. He's driving the car. To, the, the, to the facility. <laughs> We're getting our guy. You know, was, oh, you was, got your guy He was talking right. like you drafted Deion Sanders. I mean, it's I, so I, funny. I'll tell you what. I've seen enough of him, I think. I'm talking about Forbes. I don't think we say he's not yet. I think a new coach comes in 
we've seen this before. There's a coaching change. A guy who looked like a bust before plays in a new system in a new scheme with a possible. coach who knows yeah. how to use him, and he ends up being a baller. The question I have. He's too slight a frame to play corner. So, I mean, you need to be locked down, shut down corner for you to be that size and be okay yeah. in the He's NFL. a great nickel guy but, that you're paying a dollar for. <laughs> you right. know? What about, uh, to answer your question, uh, no, Rivera. I don't think it's another job. I think it's funny. You know, somebody asked me yesterday when he was talking about how the last five weeks he felt, you know, re-energized yeah. and coaching again. Uh, was he trying to get another job? I said, I don't – he won't go be a coordinator. He won't go be a coordinator. I don't think – he would. I don't even think he'll be a head coach again. I think he's going to go maybe to league office, maybe NFL Network. I think the first, the next time you hear from him will be an an NFL Network interview. Yeah, where he's kind of politicking or auditioning. Right. I've I've made this comp for him before, but Jeff Fisher. Mm-hmm. He had two jobs, and that was it. And he's a guy who's well respected around the league and was probably a head coach a lot longer than he should have been. Got a lot of credit yeah. and a lot of props for a Super Bowl run where that was the only time he, he broke out of, yeah. like, mediocrity. Right. So He trolled, uh, the, he trolled right. the burgundy and gold, though. Exactly. He, was, he was great sure at that. Exactly. So sure I, think with, I, I think he's going to have, and I take no joy in saying this, but I think he's going to have a Jeff Fisher-like, situation where if he you do see him coach it's going to be one of these leagues like the xfl or the ufl or oh, whatever yeah. the hell they're calling the spring league. if he wants to keep in mind i mean he's you know he's what's he 60 what did he just turned 60, 60, he just yeah. turned 62 62 yeah he's had the cancer yeah you know, maybe he just doesn't want to you know deal with it but who knows he could easily uh, slide into an analyst plus he's, plus he's still getting money he, he had one more year on his contract oh he's getting a nice so check to paid. go away yeah, yeah he's fine i don't feel sorry for ron no, he's fine <laughs> But again, it's a you know very respectful thing, classy thing. Both the, yes, both, sides, both sides, both sides yesterday, and I think the situation was, and we talked about it multiple times before the season. Anything short of a playoff win, yeah, then there was probably no consideration of him coming back here next year. And that's it's the new ownership. You have you're, you do what you that you paid six billion dollars. Yeah, you do what you want. And Ron knows that he's been around. He understands it. Mm-hmm. Players know it. The coaching staff knows it. Uh, so I think it was handled – it couldn't have been handled better. If they had fired him after the Bears game, then coaching candidates, everybody's looking at like, this Josh Harris, is, he's, yeah. got, he's a short Quick fuse. on the trigger, yeah. yeah. And as he said yesterday, look, we took over two days before training camp. It would not be fair to do that. Right. And look, he didn't make a move during the season, right? Yeah. Day after the season, it's over. Look how much has been done in 24 hours with the hirings and the coaching – the GM interview starting today, Thursday yeah. as we record it. What's today? Tuesday. Yeah. That's a lot. Places. So they've been working. They've been, and we know that they weren't just sitting around waiting till January eighth, like they've been doing their due diligence. They've been doing their homework, and they right. have already been working. Look, Josh Harris stood up there yesterday and basically said, "I don't know everything. I'm going to hire people that are winners that have built teams before to help me. I have no problem if a billionaire says up gets up there and says that. Absolutely. Instead of a billionaire saying, "I know what I'm doing. Yeah, don't worry about me. I'll take care of it. Right. I'll figure it out. All as under I go. Yeah. Right. All under control." It is under control, just like this podcast, under control. Under control. So let's pivot to that. I mean, we're, now we're talking about the, the hopeful uh, future. This is what we were all looking forward to, 2024. It's a, turning the page. It's it's a new day. We saw an owner sit up there and actually have a conversation. Uh-huh. and Took questions from yeah, the media. Yeah, imagine that. 
And so, uh, and yes, I agree with you that it's refreshing, it's encouraging that you have this guy who's heading it up who can admit that he knows what he doesn't know, mm-hmm. right? And so he's getting guys in who can. And I made the joke on air, getting Bob Myers, you have Magic Johnson in the ownership group. Josh Harris has built a better basketball franchise on paper than the Wizards have in 45 years. Ooh. Oh, that's yeah. Well, yeah. You're the, you're I can make that joke because Dave Johnson's not on the podcast anymore. But He's listening, though. Yeah, he, he is. is listening. He is listening. I'm going to get a text later, but that's all right. Um They've they've put together <laughs> they've put together this thing where he's getting the best minds in professional sports. I don't know if I'd count Spielman in that, but he's getting experienced. He was guys. Integral in bringing Cousins to Minnesota. Yeah. Are you trying to start Cousins to DC rumors? Is that what you're trying to do? No, absolutely do not. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. Is this Kirk or Kurt that we're talking he, about? He he hates that more than me talking about Cam. He would I, take, yes, he would. He would take yes. Cam Newton over Kirk Cousins. Yes, absolutely. Or Kurt, either one. Kurt, one yeah. of them. Yeah. Bruce Allen would take Kirk. Oh, yeah. or Kurt. Hands down. The other thing is, he's talking about putting together an organization where it's about getting the best people. The thing that I like is that he's not going to just fit these things in a box. It's like, I have to get my personnel guy and then hire my coach and then go down the line. If the coach presents itself, then maybe you have a 49er situation where they hired Kyle Shanahan first and then bring in somebody that he's comfortable with and John Lynch. That's what I was going to say. He's left himself open to that, and I love it. I love the rapid, thorough process, but you're going to be dictated by the talent. Yes. Which is a good thing to hear. Because, yeah, if a coach is, you know, if you can't have to wait till the end of the Super Bowl. Right. Peters, because that kind of feels like, and this is what we're going to do in this is guys who we think that they're going to hire. Is this another and, exercise? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, another exercise. It De- and, it's definitely I an mean, exercise. You're not sweating enough. I need you to sweat. Down and back. Guys who we think they're going to hire and guys who we'd like to see hired. And the guy that I think that they're going to hire is Adam Peters, the assistant GM Agreed. of the 49ers. Yeah. He's the first to interview, and not that that's a signal of anything, but – He's got close ties to Bob Myers. Like, they went to high school together from uh, what I read. UCLA, too. They went to UCLA together. With that prior relationship, that might influence him, too. Because, again, and uh, George said this on air a couple times, it's a promising sign that he's even taken an interview with Washington. Because this guy, like, when the Titans had an opening, when um, there was another team that had an opening last year. There were two last year. Yeah, I think it might have been the Cardinals. Oh, yes. He didn't want to take interviews with them. So it shows me that he's doing, which is pretty smart, is I'm not going to just take a job to take a job. I'm going to wait until a desirable job opens and it's a situation where I can win. So if that's his thinking in even having the sit-down conversation, I mean, that is light years ahead of where Washington was even two years ago. These cats were high school buddies, too? These cats, yeah. (laughs) So I I, I hope he's more Dylan than Steve Sanders. This is... A very, very good job. This is an attractive job yeah. for a number of reasons. And especially, you know, an ownership group that is going to do things the right way. You have a offseason with almost $80 million. And the, the, the icing, the cherry, whatever you want to say on top, the number two overall pick. If you yeah. have a blank canvas right now. Yeah. As you have, and I think Peters is their top choice, and I think Ben Johnson is their top choice. 
And I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say those are the two they're going to get. I think you they think are so? going to have the pick. The Chargers, that's where Jim Harbaugh is going to go. Yeah. T- if t- he goes t- anywhere. Yeah, Char- mm-hmm. Harbaugh, I know that they put out a request to interview Harbaugh. I would be stunned if they hire Harbaugh. And that's fine. You can do your you can make the call. They're going to yeah. call everybody. They're going to yeah. talk to everybody. I you know who else I would go? I'd bring in Bobby Slowick, who was here before. Look what he's done. I don't I wouldn't mind that as an offensive guy. I wouldn't mind Raheem Morris. I don't know about Dan Quinn. Raheem Morris, I would no be to in Dan the top Quinn. three. I would prefer an We've offensive guy Quinn. as opposed to someone else because you know a defensive coordinator or you know special teams guy or a you know a previous head coach who's going to bring in an offensive coordinator who's going to be more in charge like we had uh, with the uh, Rivera you know uh, EB and Rivera you know mm-hmm. Turner model because. They're taking a quarterback with this That's number two exactly pick. Exactly right. And would you, you want, feel different you want, if they didn't have the number two pick? That's, I would feel differently. I agree because with that. You're yeah, taking the number up. two. You're taking a quarterback with with that first round pick. The key to him, the key for him, is growth and consistency. And if you have a hot shot offensive coordinator like Bobby Slowick, who yeah. you know works with C.J. Stroud, and then all of a sudden he goes, who know? I mean, I'm yeah. not saying that C.J. Stroud's not going to know how to throw the football next year, <laughs> but. It, these things happen. Happened to Mac Jones a couple of years ago with the Patriots. Had a very strong rookie season. Josh McDaniel leaves. The kid regresses. And I think you need an you need an offensive mind, an offensive head coach who who will provide career long direction for your franchise quarterback that you take in so, the top five. So here's where I push back on that. Head coach is different from quarterback coach, offensive coordinator. Those two jobs are who's Bobby Slowick is the offensive coordinator yep. in Houston, and he can't leave for a lateral move unless you make him the assistant head coach and try to get around it that way. Right. But Houston's head coach is a defensive guy. He played linebacker for the Texans back in the day. So I think the head coach having an offensive background is irrelevant because who are the most decorated coaches in the NFL? Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, in no particular order. Andy Reid's and up there. Andy Reid. Only one of those guys yeah. is offensive-minded. Hardball is a special Bill Belichick coach. started off right. as a tight ends coach. Who? Bill Belichick started off as a tight ends coach way back when. So he has an offensive background per se. And you can well, say he's that been coaching he's long enough. Had, he's probably that, that he's had his, <laughs> he's probably the fullback. Belichick coach. <laughs> is as close as you have to a he has his fingerprints on both sides of the football. So. Granted, but my point is, you know, being a guy who has close proximity to the quarterback is not a necessity for a head coach because a head coach has to be somebody who gets you organized, a guy who gets you, you know, who gets guys motivated, who is a natural leader of men. And so that's the important part in a head coach. You can be a defensive minded. And this is what happened in Houston is you could be a defensive minded head coach and you get yourself a damn good offensive yeah, coordinator and get key. yourself a yeah. damn good quarterbacks coach and make sure that yeah. you have the infrastructure in place and even then, it's like we thought Carolina had it set because of all the offensive masterminds that they had there. And they end Frank up going 2-15. and 15 yeah. And, uh, I mean, I don't even know what's going to happen to their quarterback. So, yeah, so the most important thing for me is get somebody who is a natural leader, who is a, you know, and this is going to sound good based on what we just said about Rivera, but a CEO type who knows how to delegate who knows how to get the most out of less because that is the opposite of what we saw with Rivera. That's what we see with Mike Tomlin. And you guys know my dream hire 
is finding a way to pry Mike Tomlin out of Pittsburgh. Win, lose, or draw in the playoffs, find a way to make that happen. If you're saying there are no so, ties in the playoffs, even though I love them in the regular season, no ties in the playoffs. Thanks so based God. on that comment, yeah, then you want somebody that's been a head coach before. Not necessarily a requirement, but I think, and this is when we talked about this in a previous episode, Mike Tomlin is the ideal hire for me because A, he has a track record of getting more out of less. Uh-huh. B, he's got a wealth of experience, 17 seasons without a losing record, and also he's still young. He's going to turn 52 this year. Yep. So conceivably, you could have him for 10 years. Ten years. Yeah. You know, And also, whoever they hire has to be somebody that you think is going to be here for the long haul. That's mm-hmm. why I rule out uh, Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Because Harbaugh's, uh, he's touching sixty if Close he's not to already. 60, yeah. that's, and so, Belichick's same thing, uh, right? And oh, Belichick, Belichick is, is such yeah, a he's in his seventies. Like that's no, that's if you have a roster that's close to a Super Bowl, I could understand getting yep. Bill Belichick. Different and then story. you have yeah, and then he could probably bring Gerard Mayo and have like a succession plan or something like that. Watch so you're saying is not this that roster team. isn't Super Bowl ready? <laughs> no, it is not even. Uh, national championship uh. ready. If Wash, if if this Washington was playing in the national championship game, I'm pretty sure Michigan would still win. So yeah, so my uh, so Tomlin is still my dream hire, but I think who they will hire is going to be somebody who has ties to Adam Peters. If you do some dot connecting, um, yeah, Ben Johnson wouldn't be a bad pickup, but I think Raheem Morris. And I've always thought of – it's not even just unique to this situation. I've always thought that he's a guy who, if he got a second opportunity, mm-hmm. because Tampa hired him thinking like, oh, Mike Tomlin just had success in uh, – I'm pretty sure he won He won that Super Bowl in that stadium, if I recall correctly. And so they're just like, hey, you know what? Let's get a young black head coach too. And then they just – you know, whether Raheem was ready or not, right. like they put him in that position. And I think they were afraid – if I remember the timeline correctly, they had him as an assistant and they were afraid that somebody was going to poach him and he was going to be the next Tomlin. So they were like, well, let's just fire. I think it was Dirk Cutter who was there at the time. Let's just fire the coach and then we'll promote him. Which right. now that I'm saying that out loud, it's I'm like, Washington should have done Bay that. Is bailed on Washington should have done that in 2013. But, um, I, yeah, I I would have no I think I, I like that he's, he's been learned, here he's been here he's learned under Shanahan yes. now he's back and he's with McVeigh yeah I'd say Ben Johnson Raheem Morris and Bobby Slowick are my top three I also like um, Mike McDonald at uh, yeah Mike Ravens Mc- defensive that's coordinator well, and, and they want to talk to the Ravens uh, uh, assistant the- GM too so you could also have that you could bring a full Ravens right what do you guys think about asking to speak to Dan Quinn is that just a Messing, poking in the to eye Jerry? of the Cowboys? Or I think is they're that, just casting a wide legit. net. Yeah. I think they're casting a wide net. Dan Quinn, I, I, to me, that's uninspired. I agree. Because we saw what he did in Atlanta, and he might be a Norv Turner type of guy who is great as a coordinator, but maybe he's not got what it takes to be a head coach. So in my dream scenario, Washington hires Don Aponte, as president of football operations. That's a name, if you're not familiar with her, she has been in NFL front offices. She's currently in the league office now. She's somebody who has a wealth of experience and who is very sharp. And I think 
to have her as a global front office um, overseer, for lack of a better term, um, having her on board would only help the product. Uh, my favorite for GM, Ian Cunningham. He's got local ties. He was part of the Ravens organization under Ozzie Newsom. I mean, I have immense respect for Ozzie Newsom. Uh, won a Super Bowl both in Baltimore and Philly. He was a part of those organizations. And he also has ties to their new analytics guy, Eugene Shen. He's in Chicago now. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's right. Ian Cunningham is in Chicago, but he's going um, to interview. Yes, he is on the list to interview. Um, That'll so, be my second choice after Peters. Right. I agree. Also, let's not rule out Brian Flores getting a second uh, shot yeah. because I thought he did a terrific job in Miami. And he, wherever he lands for a second gig, and I know he still has this lawsuit out on the NFL, but whenever he lands in a second gig, if the situa- if it's an organization that's you know got its stuff together, I think he could have – a resurgence and be the one and only guy off the Belichick tree who actually succeeds. I think whatever happens, I think you're going to see a, a front office guy first, maybe within a week. Yeah. I think they're going to go fast on that, but I also think he's not going to just now, if their guy is Peters, let's say, and they have dinner tonight at his house, his mansion in Miami, it's a nice mm-hmm. pad and you lock it up. I'm fine <laughs> with it, but I don't think people are going to scream about that because it's like, Oh, you took the first guy. That's who they're setting their sights on. I think that the process, his rapid and thorough process, I think he is going to – I think it's a totally different thing than Dan Snyder. You're not going to – Dan Snyder would have had Jim Harbaugh on a plane last night here. Oh, that was And hired percent. this morning. Oh, but also God. it bears right? pointing out – But also it bears pointing out the Rooney rule extends to front office hires as well. So And by the way, they, Eric Bannemi is going to get an interview here. Yes. I, I think with the new GM, right. I think that is going to happen. But the Rooney rule extends to general manager and front office hires as well. So they do have to talk to a minority candidate. Ian Cunningham does count as a minority candidate. So, yeah, so I do I do like that. And uh, also back to the coaching thing, there's a name that nobody's really talking about. And I know everybody's on the Ben Johnson bandwagon, but Thomas Brown is a young up-and-comer. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator in Carolina, and I know what happened in Carolina. But, right. you know, he's young, he's sharp. And just because he got caught up in a bad ownership situation. And I think, again, you know, 2013, everybody likes to remind us constantly that 2013, Washington had five head coaches on their staff. I think uh, Carolina had a couple of guys on that staff, Thomas Brown included, who might end up being some pretty good head coaches. And uh, and I would certainly think Washington would – be well served in uh, checking him out. I'm going to split the difference of what we've all said. I think they uh, bring Ian Cunningham in as yeah. general manager, and then because he has crossed paths with with Ben Johnson here and there, tangentially, he's aware mm-hmm. of him, and and they're aware of each other. I think they bring in Ben Johnson, and that's and that's your coach GM combo or GM coach combo, and mm-hmm. I think. Uh, unlike previous regimes, there's clear cut uh, delineation of who does what. And I think I think that's the key for this organization moving forward. Yes, that is key because having it on one man's plate, and uh, and I've said this before, and I'm glad that uh, Josh Harris said this during his press conference, is that coaching is an 80-hour-a-week job. Being the head of player personnel and 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 you know leading the football operation, that's an 80-hour-a-week full-time job. You can't. It's not fair I was, to ask one person 
to do that. And I know that may have been enticing to Ron Rivera, which is funny because he brought in the guy who was the GM for him in uh, in right. Carolina. So it must not have been all bad letting another guy do it. But that was one of the points that, you know, sold him on the job was it was going to be coach centric. And so I don't have a problem if you hire the coach first and then hire the GM but they still need to be very different right. jobs. I was just thinking from you know a union standpoint, gosh, the time and a half <laughs> that guy could score, he could probably cash out in six months. I don't think the coaches' union it doesn't. It cares doesn't about the like hours. That. They just no. want to make sure you're raking yeah. in millions and millions of dollars. We got time for an audible at the line of scrimmage? Of course we do. Hoops on the horizon this Saturday. Uh, college basketball season in full swing. Everybody's in conference play. This Saturday, I'll be at George Washington Davidson. The Revolutionaries, year two under Chris Caputo, off to a decent start. 12-3 and three entering Tuesday night's tilt. They've got they've really put together an interesting backcourt. James Bishop the fourth has been named Atlantic 10 Player of the Week multiple times. Maximus Edwards is a beast on the boards. Garrett Johnson, a transfer, has a, a very interesting story as he's recovered from illness and has been uh, quite a productive player on the perimeter. He's been named Rookie of the Year a few times in the conference. Darren Buchanan just named Rookie of the Year this past week. Even though he's Darren Buchanan Jr., he's a freshman. It's a confusing thing as fate would have it. I've always hated this, man. If senior didn't play on the team why do we need to put junior on the back of the jersey not a fan well james bishop is a fourth so it's like you got to yeah. deal with that too like, no it's davidson has long been one of the best teams in the atlantic 10 and it's gonna be a nice test for the revolutionary saturday at the smith center when that team is good that place is a rockin and i hope that's the case this saturday all right college basketball in full swing we got nfl offseason i'm enjoying this well, I'm enjoying been, this. Been here almost an hour. I hope yeah. so. Oh, yeah, it's a, I'm sorry. Better. You got you got somewhere you need to be. Well, I had to leave twice to go do a sportscast. Yeah, that's your fault for not recording it. Well, yeah, the people don't. Breaking people news. can't tell the difference. They don't. Yeah. yeah. All right, another fun edition of the <laughs> DC Sports Huddle. I am Rob Woodfork alongside George Wallace and Dave Preston breaking the huddle. <laughs>